What's next for DeAndre Hopkins and the Arizona Cardinals after the two parties went their separate ways? We talk about that and so much more coming up next here on Locked On NFL. You are Locked On NFL. Your daily NFL podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Welcome into another episode of the Locked On NFL Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. It is Monday. That means you have me, Kevin Ostriker, one of the many NFL experts here on our network. We're free and available all podcasting platforms. Subscribe for free, both in video and in audio form. And today's episode of Locked On NFL is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook, official sportsbook of the NFL. Make every moment more. Visit FanDuel.com slash Locked On today to get started. We are your daily NFL podcast five days per week, so be sure to keep it Locked On, Locked On NFL here every single weekday, Monday through Friday. And we're bringing you the biggest stories throughout the entire last week, and there was a lot that dropped. I know this is, again, like the lull-ish period of the offseason. That does not mean it is uneventful, though. We're going to be talking with Alex Clancy of Locked On Cardinals in the first segment about what went down with DeAndre Hopkins and the Arizona Cardinals and what's next for both DeAndre Hopkins and the Cardinals organization. Then in the second segment, we'll move on, talk with your boy Q of Locked On Raiders about the very weird Jimmy Garoppolo situation that's going on over there in Las Vegas. Then finally, we'll flip over to Denver, talk with Sarah Benger of Locked On Broncos about Brandon McManus, that release, and what's next for Denver at the kicker position. So without any further ado, let's first get into our conversation with Alex Clancy of Locked On Cardinals. With the Arizona Cardinals releasing a star wide receiver last week, and here to talk about that with me is Alex Clancy, the host of Locked On Cardinals. Now, it's DeAndre Hopkins. Obviously, we've known him for a very long time, still a dominant player to this day. There was a lot of talk around him this offseason, potential trades, where the Cardinals just going to outright cut him. Well, that's what happened. They cut him last week. Was there any sense for you that maybe Arizona could still get something in a trade even after the draft, or was this a situation where you were bracing for a release? Yeah, I mean, I was holding out hope that there was some weird chance that they could, you know, potentially extend him and keep him, you know, front load a contract, placate the masses in 2024 or 2023 when they're not going to be good. And then you could see Hollywood Brown, DeAndre Hopkins and Kyler Murray on the field at one time, you know, as it was originally intended when they traded for Hollywood Brown, you know, obviously from from Baltimore. So at this point, you know, if Monty Austin Ford had known that this the ceiling to you know, to trade for DeAndre Hopkins was maybe a third and a fourth round pick. They would have done it two months ago. But I feel like what happened with Brandon Cooks, not getting a first round pick for that, which obviously Brandon Cooks wouldn't warrant it at this point, it kind of just jettisoned the the wide receiver market as pertained to draft capital. This is a far cry from the Stephon Diggs or Odo Beckham Jr. trades to to Buffalo and, and Cleveland, respectively. And the Cardinals just kind of kind of eat their medicine here as they slowly start to unravel all the things that Steve Kime did to put the dysfunctionality in this, you know, in this organization and roster. Right. And I think when you look at Hopkins with still how good he is as a player, obviously, you know, a team isn't just looking to move off of that for nothing. And right. it just came down to it at the end of the day, but it felt, it felt like Alex, this was a timeline thing where with Kyler Murray's injury, uncertain when he's going to be back Hopkins being the player that he is with the cap hit that he had, 
Is this just an issue where the Cardinals wanted more cap space for 2024 to kind of build their team up or were there other underlying factors? Yeah, no, I think that's it. I mean, they save 8 million of the you know, they save 8 million and then the entire 2022.6 dead cap hits this year so they can be freed of it next year. The biggest fear that I had going into the 2022 season was that DeAndre Hopkins and Hollywood Brown would not play meaningful snaps together. With DeAndre Hopkins out for the first six weeks, Hollywood Brown played the wide receiver one, and then Hollywood Brown gets hurt late in a game that was out of contention already. He high fives DeAndre Hopkins, and DeAndre Hopkins comes back in week seven. He goes to the injury list, and then this is where we are with Kyler Murray tearing his ACL. So this is the it, it is the worst of all timelines because nothing you know matched up. It's two cars driving past each other in the night, waving at each other of what what could have been with Kyler Murray and those two wide receivers, and it's. I mean, as a football fan, it sucks. <laughs> it just does, because I would have loved to see those two on the field, whether it be a team that I, you know, host the podcast for or not. Yeah, and the high-powered offense with Kyler and DeAndre and Marquise Brown, you know, you throw James Conner in there as well. Something that, you know, we're not going to – even Rondell Moore, and I know he got injured towards the later part of that season mm-hmm. and, and missed some games. So now it's, it's essentially not a – Full rebuild at this point, but obviously moving on from DeAndre Hopkins, you're losing a star talent. But what's next for Hopkins, Alex? We heard a lot of rumblings about Kansas City and Buffalo and Baltimore. And, you know, we're here in Cleveland now. Where do you feel like's the best fit for him moving forward? Anywhere he wants to be. Like, and this isn't about his talent. This is about a guy who can fit into any offense. He doesn't have to be wide receiver one to be happy. Like, he he was criminally underused. Even in the year when he had 1,400 receiving yards and eight touchdowns and 117 receptions, he could have had 2,000 yards, 160 receptions, and 15 touchdowns. That year, just for just for optics, for where he's come from with Cliff Kingsbury's offense, that year, he had less red zone targets than Devontae Adams had receptions. So when he's, yeah, and it, it's just like, okay, so, oh, wait, but he's double teamed. No, no, no. Every other wide receiver one who is just a target machine gets the ball. So what is going on? So when he goes somewhere, he's, I think it should be Kansas city. It's obvious Baltimore, Buffalo, something's going on in Orchard park. That's not necessarily the most stable. Don't really know what it is yet. Stefan Diggs is one playoff loss out from saying, get me out of here. Like it's so close. Kansas city is the San Antonio Spurs of the NBA of the NFL. It's going to be like that, you know, sustainability with Patrick. Holmes. So long winded, long winded way to say, Kansas City doesn't have a wide receiver one. So with DeAndre Hopkins there, he may take a dollar to play in 2023 if he gets 30 mil. Like, he needs to get paid, and they don't have a lot of money to spend, which is the issue, but they'll figure it out. And Patrick Mahomes will be throwing to yet another number 10, just not Tyree Kill this time. Yeah, imagine that. And I know the rumors that have come out is that the Odell deal with Baltimore actually kind of messed some things up for Kansas City, Buffalo, and a potential trade with the Cardinals there. So it looks like DeAndre Hopkins wants a a deal deal. So what would you pay Hopkins, Alex? I know the Cardinals just got out from paying him, but what would you pay him at this point in his career? I would give him, unless you want to do like a Darrell Rivas thing, which I don't think they'd be able to do, um, Kansas City, like one year, 12 mil. This, everybody take a second, breathe. This is not the Julio Jones situation. I'm sick of it. Hearing Julio Jones was probably a better receiver at his peak than DeAndre Hopkins was, maybe. But the hamstring, lower leg, hamstring, lower leg, Julio Jones went from elite to not playable. And that's not something DeAndre Hopkins is. DeAndre Hopkins has never relied on his speed. He catches everything. He's got like 
and he's not an ego. He's not an egomaniac. So for me, like maybe two year, 22, 17 guaranteed, something like that, 16 guaranteed, I'm giving him money because he can go out and produce. And it's something that I don't understand why people don't know that more. That like, awfully worded sentence, but yeah. Yeah, this this is a guy that is literally still, I believe, a top 10 wide receiver in this league. Like, he is still so good. People look at the suspension, and sure, it happened, but I don't think that impacted him in any injury. He wasn't injured. He got suspended, came back, played really well. But I now ask Alex, I asked you about what's next for DeAndre Hopkins. What's next for Arizona with their wide receivers? They have Marquise Brown, obviously still have Rondell Moore there, a couple other guys here and there. So, so what's the outlook of that room now with Hopkins going? Marvin Harris is going to look real sweet in an Arizona Cardinals uniform. I mean, I think that's pretty much the outlook. No, So going into 2023, it's going to be interesting. So I call them the three Teslas, okay? Greg Dorch, Hollywood Brown, and Rondo Moore, all under 5'8", okay? But they're 0 to 60 and 2.8. Like, they are they are probably, you know, you have Jalen Waddle and Tyreek Hill. Like, the tandem, if you want to make up a category, the three fastest receivers on one team in the NFL. They, they just – so they have that. What does that mean? I have no idea. Though they drafted Michael Wilson in the third round out of uh, Stanford, big guy Zach Pascal, who's been you know in Philly and Indy and other places. Um, so what this is is not only a an audition for Hollywood Brown. Hey, you an RB one? An RB one can be a uh, wide receiver one. Wide receiver one can be a wide receiver one with any quarterback throwing on the ball. So go do that. That's one. Or they're going to probably let him walk at the end of the season too. I mean, I'm shocked that he and his agent haven't puff their chest being like, Hey, I'm wide receiver one. Give me an extension. Cause that's, you very well know that's Hollywood Brown's agents MO with AJ Brown and D- DK Metcalf and, um, and Debo Samuel overall, I don't know, but what I'm pretty sure of is one player will emerge a star that nobody knew his name going into this season. And it very well could be Greg Dorch. And it's something that is, is incredibly exciting because the Cardinals are like a raw lump of dough right now. And we have no idea what they're going to bake into. I mean, I think that's as clear and simplistic as I can say it. So while it's a straightforward question, it doesn't have a straightforward answer. We'll see what the timeline is for Arizona. I know it is kind of weird with the Kyler Murray injury, but DeAndre Hopkins is no longer a part of that organization. And for more on Alex's work, be sure to check out the Locked On Cardinals podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Coming up in the second part of the show, We'll be diving into our conversation with your boy Q of Locked On Raiders, talking Jimmy Garoppolo and a lot more. So be sure to stay tuned for that here on Locked On NFL. But first, this episode is brought to you by FanDuel. We'll make a fast break to FanDuel during the NBA playoffs because right now new customers can get a no sweat first, but up to $2,500. That's $2,500 back in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. And the NBA Finals, we'll, we'll find it out today. I'm a Nuggets guy. The Nuggets have been waiting on their opponent, but... We'll see who they're actually playing because the Miami Heat and Boston Celtics face off in game seven tonight. So if you want to bet on Miami, you want to bet on Boston, do it over at FanDuel. They have great promotions every day. They are a safe and secure app as well, and you can get paid instantly. There's no better place to bet on all the playoff action in America's number one sports book. Visit FanDuel.com slash locked on to get a no sweat first bet up to $2,500. That's FanDuel.com slash locked on. FanDuel, official sports betting partner of the NBA. We're back here. Our second segment of Locked On NFL here on Monday. Kevin Ostreicher still here with you. We just talked about DeAndre Hopkins. Let's now move over and talk about Jimmy Garoppolo. Your boy Q of Locked On Raiders has the latest on the entire situation and whether Jimmy G will ever suit up in a Las Vegas Raiders uniform. So let's get into that now.
Well, the Las Vegas Raiders have had an interesting couple of days here with some Jimmy Garoppolo news dropping here. Talk about that with me as your boy Q, the host over at Locked On Raiders. And Q, this kind of came out of nowhere. Jimmy Garoppolo apparently fell in the physical with the Raiders back in March. And, you know, the Raiders have an out in this deal if he's not ready by week one. So what's kind of your understanding and the latest on this whole situation? Well, you're right. It kind of came out of nowhere. I mean, we all knew that back in March, things weren't great when he had to push back the day that he was signing his contract and meeting with the media. But it sounded like it was just a little small dotting the I's, crossing the T's on the contract. Come to find out, as you mentioned, you know, failed physical. They actually changed his contract a lot where they took away all the signing bonus. They haven't paid him a dime. Let's put it like that. They haven't paid him a dime yet. And until he actually passes his physical, they're not going to pay him a dime. And so there's actually the worst case scenario for the Raiders that Jimmy G never, ever suits up for the silver and black, which is insane, right? If you had told me that a few months ago, I'd have told you you're crazy. But that's a real scenario that that could happen if he doesn't uh, pass his physical due to the, the foot injury. And so, you know, in San Francisco, he didn't go and get the foot surgery because he thought that he could rehab it. They said he didn't need it. They could just rehab it and it'd be all good. And maybe he can even play at the end of the season if they needed him to. Well, he obviously didn't play. But, man, now knowing that not only did he have surgery, it sounded like at one point, and I kind of got an idea about this, like, last week, or early last week, that, that he wasn't fully ready to go for OTAs. I didn't realize that it, it, it sounds like it could be a lengthier uh, process than what I thought, right? It sounded like, for the most part, everyone believed he'll be ready for training camp. Maybe he will be ready for training camp, but it doesn't really sound like it at this point. It sounds like this could be a really long stretch, a long process, and uh, who knows, man? I mean, this this could go a bunch of different ways, but I think the, the quarterback position for the Raiders now is really up in the air. Yeah, it's it's kind of a gut punch for Las Vegas, considering they signed him to be this guy for them and, and uh, obviously be hopefully someone who could lead them maybe on a deep playoff run. But now they might have to go through this whole thing without him. And you're right, maybe he never plays a snap for Las Vegas. So if that's the case, Q, if Jimmy G isn't able to suit up this year, if they move on and anything that happens with that, where Jimmy G is not the starting quarterback of this team come the start of the year, what do they do? What, what's next for them if it's not Jimmy G at that position? Well, I'll tell you, man, they got Brian Hoyer, who's been a longtime quarterback in the league, but we all know he's a backup at best. And really, he's a backup that you want to play maybe, what, one or two games? You don't want to have Brian Hoyer out there for multiple starts. So he's quarterback one right now. And then behind him, they got uh, Aiden O'Connell, who they drafted in the fourth round out of Purdue, who I believe is a glorified backup. Like, I don't think he could be a starter in the NFL, but Everyone's saying that he's very smart, he's very accurate, he's overcome a lot of adversity, he's a guy that Josh McDaniels would love to coach up, he's very Tom Brady-like with his release. Like, There's so many different you know, scenarios that are being thrown out there, but I, I just look at his production at Purdue and say, yeah, I don't think he's really going to be a starting quarterback. So now you're looking at Hoyer, you're looking at O'Connell, you're looking at Jace Garbers, it's like, that's what you're doing? So I, I've just been thinking about this scenario with Jimmy G now, and I'm thinking, man, this could be a really long season for the Raiders. And maybe they're looking at their quarterback of the future. Maybe he's not uh, in the NFL draft lottery yet. Maybe he's a guy that we'll be talking about next year. Yeah, which is it's also crazy to think about. And I know, Q, there's also been, I guess, some some tension points with Devontae Adams that have come out yeah. over the last couple of weeks. I mean, w- what's your understanding on all that? Well, I think the whole Devontae Adams stuff is really overblown. Um, he came out on Thursday last week and was t- saying that, 
You know, he has, has no problem with the coaching staff, no problem with the front office. He has no problem with Jimmy G. Yeah, he wanted Aaron Rodgers as the quarterback, but who wouldn't want Aaron Rodgers as the quarterback? It just didn't work out. The Raiders knew that that paying $60 million for a guy that was on a one-year deal or could be a one-year guy or two-year guy at the max wasn't the direction that they wanted to go. So, no, they didn't, they didn't get the quarterback that he wanted, but he's ready to move forward with the organization. He wants to help the team win. He said he's excited to be in Las Vegas. So I think all is good with Devontae Adams. Let's put it like this. He was so adamant about letting people know that everything was good. He insisted on talking first on Thursday at OTAs. He was like, I want to be the first one on the podium. And really, he wanted to talk with head coach Josh McDaniels and Dave Ziegler, but the Raiders organization said, just go out there and talk yourself. It's, it's fine. You can just do it yourself. And he did. He, he gave us about 20 good minutes and really broke it down. Like, hey, there is no problems here. I'm good. I'm a Raider. So I think all is good with Devontae Adams. Yeah, that's a good sign. Definitely a good sign for Devontae yeah. Adams there. But Q, with the Raiders in their offseason, I mean, obviously a lot of this does hinge on, on what happens with Garoppolo. But what do you think the ceiling for this team is and what do you think the floor is? Well, you know, it's funny, man. I thought, you know, before this Jimmy G news, I kept saying like, well, Devontae's the best wide receiver he's ever played with. So maybe it could help elevate him. And, you know, I think that, I think that uh, you know, they have it, the over-under is like seven and a half wins for the Raiders this year. And I was kind of looking at anywhere as I went through the schedule, I was looking at, okay, I could see eight. I could see anywhere from like seven to, to ten wins. But now with all these Jimmy G questions, I'm like, man, I don't know, right? I mean, because is Brian Hoyer a guy that you think is going to start multiple games and win for you? I personally don't. Is Aiden O'Connell a rookie, a guy that I think is going to start multiple games and win? I don't think so, especially with the schedule that the Raiders have. It's a pretty difficult schedule. So I don't know, man. This this could shake out to be a really long, rough season for the Silver and Black if things don't go right. So. I'm I'm not exactly sure like an exact win total, but I, I just think that everything if you're if you're bleeding silver and black, you're hoping Jimmy G is going to be healthy again. That's a big question mark. Yeah, plenty of question marks for this Raiders team. But Q, I know you know everybody has expectations when it comes to the offseason for teams. Yeah. I know you probably had your own when it came to the Raiders. But how much of what your expectations were have actually lined up with what the organization has done this offseason? <laughs> For the most part, they have. I thought that the, the mistakes that they made in the offseason was not going and getting a potential quarterback of the future. And and we know that they tried to trade up to the number one spot, so I think that that is exactly what they were trying to do is get their quarterback of the future with that number one spot. Um, but it didn't happen. So they got Aiden O'Connell. We'll see. Jury's out and we'll see what, what kind of quarterback he'll be in the future. But that was a big mistake. Everything else, I think that they did, right? They they had to address their defense, and they drafted six out of nine guys were all on the defensive side of the ball. So I think that they did that. Now they just got to hope that those guys come together, right? So this year might be one of those growing pain years where you're expecting a lot of young dudes to, uh, to start to develop. That could be a problem. But, again, at least they know that the defense has been the biggest struggle and that they really need to address that. So – uh, if they can get that, you know, if they can get those guys, you know, worked out their first round pick, Tyree Wilson, he's got a foot injury as well. So is he, you know, if, if he's able to come back and, and be healthy, then that's a good thing. Uh, the other thing that I'm interested in with the offseason and it's not complete yet is find out what happens with Josh Jacobs. Right. He's holding the franchise tag. He hasn't signed it yet. He's a guy who just led the league in rushing. You don't want to let him walk. But you know what running backs are valued in the NFL these days. So. You know, is he going to be a guy that they're going to give a, a long year, long-term deal to? They have till July 15th, or are they just going to make him play on the one-year franchise tag and then basically move on from him after 2023? That's the other big question I have for the Raiders offseason. Such a weird situation with Jimmy Garoppolo. I appreciate Q for hopping on, giving the insight on that for more on Q's work. Be sure to check out the Locked On Raiders podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team 
every day. Show's not done, though. We have a lot more to dive into. We'll be talking with Sarah Benger of Locked On Broncos about Brandon McManus and how the Broncos offseason has gone. So be sure to stay tuned and watch to dive into on Locked On NFL. We're back here, our final segment, Locked On NFL Monday style. Kevin Ostriker still here with you. And thank you so much for being here today with us on Locked On NFL. You can catch us five days a week, different hosts every single day. So different perspective on the biggest stories throughout the league every single weekday. Be sure to subscribe for free, both in video form and in audio form as well. Any way get your podcast. So now let's dive into our final conversation of the day. Sarah Benger of Locked On Broncos has the insight on Brandon McManus. Now that Broncos offseason is gone, so let's get into it. Well, the Denver Broncos right now are not the talk of Denver as the Denver Nuggets are in the NBA Finals, but they still made a pretty significant move considering he was with the organization for almost 10 years, and that was getting rid of kicker Brandon McManus here to talk about that with me and more, Sarah Benger, one of the hosts over at Locked On Broncos. And Sarah, this move, I think a little weird timing-wise, considering it happens here at the end of late May. McManus, obviously, a very decorated kicker. Again, spent almost 10 years in Denver. Were you a little shocked with kind of how this went down and the timing of everything? Yeah, I would say definitely by the timing for sure. I know Brandon McManus, you know, was one of those guys we kind of had maybe a maybe a little circle around going into the offseason of somebody with a higher cap hit, lower dead money, kind of hadn't been performing in terms of, you know, making field goals, making extra points, really a, a bit of a struggle with consistency there over the last couple of years. So you kind of figured maybe this would happen. You got a new coaching staff coming in, new special teams, coaches, all those different things. But figured if it would happen, it would happen in March, you know, maybe April, right around the draft. But no, here at the end of May, I mean, it was pretty surprising, to be honest with you. So I think definitely one of those situations where, I mean, you felt like if the Broncos wanted to upgrade, why not make this move sooner? I think that's a fair question to ask. Yeah, and so I'll ask you next, just what's the plan for them now? They they don't have a kicker at the time of this recording. I know they've worked out a couple of guys, but where do you kind of see them moving as they look for that kicker of the future? I think they are going to potentially, I know they brought in Brett Maher, the former Cowboys kicker for a workout, and I think he's the most qualified guy they brought in. Obviously was really good last year outside of that stint of the yips in the playoffs, right? Where he made 90.6% of his field goals for the Cowboys last season hit from 60. I think he was nine of 11 in total from 50 plus. So got the distance. You got the mile high air there where you can kick in that thin air. Uh, he competed against a couple of guys, former South Carolina players for that spot. So Parker White and Elliot Fry. I thought it was interesting about the Broncos bringing in those two guys in particular because Parker White actually uh, outdid. He, you know, they had the sixth year of eligibility from the pandemic, all these college athletes. So Parker White actually topped Elliot Fry's South Carolina all time scoring record by using that extra year of eligibility. So I thought that was funny. They brought those guys in to compete for a job. And, uh, but Maher, I think the most qualified candidate, and he has kicked for Sean Payton before, which I think could be a factor. Yeah, and it wasn't like McManus was even on the market for that long. The Jacksonville Jaguars go and they scoop him up. I think they released their own kicker, Riley Patterson, to go out there and get him. I mean, is that a surprise to you for a guy as decorated as McManus? I don't think so. I think it's good for for him to land in a new spot like that. Like, you think about all his time in Denver, like you mentioned, almost 10 years like sometimes you just need a change of scenery, right? Sometimes, and especially for him, like he was part of 
maybe one of the best Broncos teams ever. And he was such a key part of that team. Then to kind of, you know, things fizzling out over these last six, seven years. And he really had a lot of pressure on him as one of the only producers of points. The Broncos have struggled to score points. And McManus had a lot of pressure because you're talking about a team that last year, they lost 12 games total. 10 of those were one score games. Who does that reflect on a lot of times? Your kicker, right? So a lot of pressure on him. A lot of fans frustrated with him. McManus frustrated, I think, with the fans. A lot of rumors of burner accounts that he had on Twitter or just him going on Twitter and being self-accountable anyway. So I'm not surprised to see him land on his feet. I think a lot of times kickers are like relief pitchers in baseball, right? They might be bad at one spot, but then they go to a new city, a new MLB city, and all of a sudden these guys are flamethrowing at the end of games. And you're like, why the heck couldn't they do that for my team? I think that's just how a lot of times kickers can be. They change places, you know, they get a case of the yips or whatever it is, and then they bounce back. I think that's just kind of the, the way of things. Although I know, Kevin, for you, Justin Tucker, he's pretty much been solid gold for the, his entire career. Yeah, I've been pretty blessed to cover Justin Tucker and watch him for as long as I have. But I know, Sarah, you mentioned that Brandon McManus, you know, was part of arguably one of the best Denver teams of all time. What are you going to remember about his almost 10 years with the Broncos? That's what I'm going to remember is that 2015 season when, I mean, he was, people forget like, yes, Peyton Manning was on that team, but that was not the Peyton Manning of 2014 or 2013, certainly not 2013 when he threw 55 touchdown passes. This was a shell of what we knew Peyton Manning to be. And in fact, he didn't even play the whole season. It was Brock Osweiler out there for a lot of the time. So you had these two guys, the offense struggling to score points. And then you had Brandon McManus, who closed out a lot of these close games. Remember, I said they lost 12 last year, 10 one-score games. They, I think they won just about as many in 2015. I'd have to go back and look. But Brandon McManus was was clutch that year for the most part, and especially in the playoffs. I mean, he was he made 13 total kicks in the playoffs that year, 10 field goals, three extra points, which is kind of crazy. Or not three. Yeah, that's right. No, something like that. So McManus was clutch all throughout the playoffs, and it was awesome to see. And you'll remember that forever. Anytime your team wins a championship, you remember the little details, you know, the 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 special games or the special moments. There's a lot of McManus kicks from that 2015 season that Broncos fans are going to be forever grateful for. Yeah, a huge part of their success in the organization, he was there. But I know, Sarah, when you look at the offseason, I know everybody has expectations as to what it will be. And now that we're here at the end of May, heading into June, how much of your expectations, I guess, from what you had at the beginning of the offseason, how much of that is lined up with what Denver's actually done? I think it's been pretty close, right? They they had to improve the offensive line, giving up 63 sacks last year. And of course, every one of those sacks tells a story, but you lead the league in that category. You need to get better on the offensive line. There's no question about it. So you go in, you upgrade the offensive line, Mike McGlinchey, Ben Powers, the big moves coming in. I know you know Ben Powers well, I mean, his time with the Ravens. So the Broncos are excited about having those two guys. You upgrade the O-line. I was pretty hell-bent on them upgrading at receiver. I think they really did that. Their top pick in the draft was Marvin Mims out of Oklahoma. And then they went out and got kind of an underrated guy, Marquez Callaway, a former Saint in free agency. So we saw them do that. They revamped the secondary a little bit, lose Draymond Jones to the Seattle Seahawks, but bring in Zach Allen from the Cardinals. So a lot of emphasis on rebuilding in the trenches, which I think was expected. You get that receiver upgrade after all the injuries the last couple of years. And of course, you know, Sean Payton coming in, we expected this team to swing big 
as the head coach or at the head coach spot, you know, with Nathaniel Hackett getting fired and this ownership group really came through. You get Sean Payton in the building. He has changed things dramatically, big time already. I mean, we're already seeing he's, you know, he's giving media limited access at practices or he's, he has some press conferences that go almost an hour and some that last about five minutes. So he's a unique guy, but he is a big time head coach. And I think that we're kind of gleaning that early on. So expectations up to this point, I would say so far, They've been pretty well met. Huge shout out for Sarah for hopping on talking Broncos and for more on Sarah's work. Be sure to check out that Locked On Broncos podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. But that's all I have for you here today on Locked On NFL. Thank you so much for tuning in today. When we get back here tomorrow, more NFL content with your Tuesday host. So be sure to stay tuned for that, and we'll see you right back here tomorrow.